0: We would be honored if
1: you would join. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of Dungeon Crawlers, where we have ventured into the worlds of weirdness, then jumped on a train and went to the world of Kryn, maybe saw the deck of the Enterprise along the way, and, well, we had to let go of Alton's intern and bring Alton back because he's just that much cooler. Uh, So welcome back to another episode, and hopefully Tracy
2: doesn't hate me for that one uh here's the thing I'm, I'm i'm like tinkerbell right like people have to believe in me in order for me to be there uh, and i'd also like to point out I, I don't think that uh you've ever nope that's not true krebs has never seen me in the same room as tracy hickman so he has no proof that we are not the same person <laughs> Hey, I was,
1: yeah i have seen you in the same same room uh way to
2: spoil the
3: illusion dan there was that take that tinkerbell because now i believe that
1: raven
2: loft campaign i got to be a part of which was awesome mm. yeah. yeah i'm really sad that that didn't stream properly but yeah the rumor has it that there may be something coming to mythos games soon in a much yes. nicer room with much better setup and technology has progressed in five years yes i mean there i'm gonna put that out there's nothing
1: more amazing than sitting down at a gaming table with a bunch of people having the game of Ravenloft ran for you by the creator itself, yeah, that is phenomenal. Yeah, agreed.
3: If you didn't, if you did not catch last week's episode, we had Tracy Hickman on, and he was an exceptional guest.
1: Yes, um, and for those of you that listen to the show, there's a lot that you missed out because we had to take it out. Uh, needless to say maybe one day we will put it on the video on because man i thought i painted well and i feel like my painting skills need some leveling up but granted he's got a few decades on me
2: it's true he's one of the og painters back in the day oh man
1: yeah yeah no it it was awesome so we have a great topic tonight uh we talked about some things before we jumped on and well our our topic tonight, we're, we're you know we, we love story. We love and have a passion for story in its various formats. So we're going to be talking about story elements that we've seen where we're just like, what? No, 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 y- you can't do that. Or no, don't do that. It's really stupid. <laughs> uh, and, and I'm sure there's other formats where we're going to come out with with that type of story. Um, so where do we start? Who wants to lead off? Because
2: yeah i mean i'll take it it away
1: any different pool with this one
2: i've got lots of tales of things that have caught me completely by surprise um usually when i'm consuming other media that's not always the case it's very unusual that i'll be caught by surprise in a film Um, but as a gm i have seen it all and i've shut down some players from doing things that uh we're not so great. And I have also allowed things to unfold in crazy and zany ways. And, uh, you know, even though everybody out there, we are so grateful that you're here and we do produce this show with you in mind. Sometimes we just like to slow down and tell stories for ourselves. And uh, tonight, I'm looking forward to telling a few of those. Heck yes. First and foremost, have I told you the tale? of how I became a GM on session three. I do not believe you have told us the tale of how you became a GM on session three. Please go on. So uh, first off, uh, I will put this gigantic preface asterisk at the beginning. If you are afraid of GMing, of being a storyteller, a dungeon master, a game master, don't be understand that the types of mistakes that I am about to describe will inevitably happen to you at some point. Your players will not hate you and the stories that they tell and the things that they learn and that you learn will go on to do much greater things. But nevertheless, this would have been about 12 years ago. I uh, pulled up to my local game store and I said, you know, I'm really interested in starting to get into a role-playing game. And Pathfinder was really, really hot at the time. And so I said, "Hey." I'd love to join the table, do you know anybody? And they said, yes, actually, we have a group that's just about to start. They need one more player, go and ask. Awesome, sat down. They basically just said, yeah, so just build your character, standard array, uh, no feats. It was like really weird because I had no concept of what that actually meant, but okay. Uh, Sat down, built a Dwarf Cleric to the absolute best of my ability. I have every confidence that I was breaking rules because I did not know any of them. But I roll up to the table for the first session. And the Game Master says, you know, well, everybody played the first part last week, but, you know, we're taking you through a dungeon. Say, okay, yeah, let's do it. And um, we start to work our way down these 20 to 30 foot hallways. And every five feet or so, the rogue player says, I check for traps. I check for traps. I'm check." i like, what the (laughs) heck is going on here? And they're like, no, 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 trust me. And sure enough, every couple of feet, he'd find another trap and disarm it or fail it. And then, you know, little barbs would shoot out of the wall and whatever. We'd get to the end of the hall. There'd be a door into the next room. They'd check for traps. Inevitably, we'd fail. We'd open the door and traps would go off this went on for three hours (laughs) walking down a hall checking for traps every step of the way failing sometimes trying to figure out how to get around it making our way to the next room door was always trapped get into the room nothing's there except for doors into other hallways all of which are trapped and i'm like okay well you know that's okay dungeon crawly like i kind of get it but feels a little weird i thought there'd be a little more you know story but okay Come back for the second session. It's three hours of the same thing. Oof. Oof. And um, uh, one of the traps in particular, um, we failed the the check to disarm, but we did get some information that it was a water-based trap of some type uh, or, or something to that effect. We needed to set it off and we didn't have anything that was setting it off. And so one of the players decided to pee on it set off the trap uh he got pierced right through the you know and uh and that was the most exciting thing that happened in six and a half hours of playtime and a couple of the players kind of had it out with the gm and third session we all show up gm doesn't show up Mm. and everybody turns to me and says well you seem to be having a lot of fun telling story and you know you seem to have a good rhythm for what's going on? Why don't you do it? I said, well, I don't know the rules. I said, well, you do it anyway. (sighs) Okay. I don't think that's a good idea, but okay. We stand up and we just start going off.
3: Now I'm going to interrupt you uh, here. Yeah. Because folks at home, you need to understand if you haven't already caught on by the things that have been said in this show, Alton is a phenomenal storyteller an exceptional GM and game designer He has all of these uh, well-developed abilities that he has cultivated over the years. And now is his time to shine.
2: Well, and that was the big trick, right? Because I did not know the rules. So my only job was to tell a good story and make it up as I went along. And I think that served me well in the long run. But nevertheless, my first impression of gay, of Pathfinder in particular was that I needed to put traps on things. (laughs) So I started to put traps on things. Not that many traps, mind you. I still had story elements that were going on. But inevitably, I'd set up this trap. It's in the first or second session. And uh, I make it very obvious so that they can find it, but they fail to disarm it. And the guy who, mind you, almost bled out the last time that he peed on a trap says, I have an idea.
1: And immediately
2: (laughs) in my head, I'm like, no, that's not, no, don't. (laughs) He did it, but everybody was laughing and having a good time. So I learned the first rule of storytelling, the golden rule of storytelling, which is it is my job to make sure that the players have a good time. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that means that they're gonna pee on traps and have little barbed spikes go through their nether regions. And for that group, that was the appropriate level of joviality to have. (laughs) But nevertheless, in every session that I played with that group going forward, I inevitably, when we would come to a trap, one of the players would go, do we pee on it? (laughs) So yeah, no, I didn't think that that would happen, but it did.
1: You know, you're telling this story and the only thing I can think of is Admiral Akbar, it's a trap.
2: <laughs> like,
1: that's like on repeat. We walk five feet forward. It's a trap. <laughs> um, ah, oh, there is nothing more in this world than I that I hate. It is a dungeon master that you go into a dungeon, a castle, or whatever, and it's like every five feet there's a trap. There's a trap. There's a trap. I get, you know traps need to be there for rogues stuff like that i get that you know if you're in a dungeon there is going to be some places that may be trapped for a reason but you have to have a valid reason if you're in a cave full of goblins they're not going to have traps galore i'm sorry goblins are not that smart unless by some miracle or chance there's a really smart goblin and you know that's part of the story or the goblin has been gifted some magical insight of geniusness um yeah yeah it, it, it's it's <laughs> it's frustrating when it is that way and it, it clearly it got to be a running gag to the point where one of the players just decided to urinate on everything yep. um, which at that point it's just like uh
2: um, that was the point at which sarah and ray left us behind yeah sarah and ray for the record is a deity at any <laughs> rate uh yeah and speaking of reasons I've got one more story before I want to pass okay. it on to somebody else. Please do. Uh, this is a this is a Tracy Hickman story, funnily oh. enough. Um, he, uh, for a while, lived uh, down in Saint George. When they very first moved there, um, you know, the, his his kids were trying to make friends, and one of them found out that some of the neighbor boys liked to play D anD D. So they invited him over to the house to play. Sat down to play Ravenloft made it. It's, they'd literally been playing for like five or 10 minutes, gotten into the first town and a lady comes up asking for help. And one of the kids decides I'm going to take out my sword and threaten her. Give me all your money. She says, I don't have any money. Well, then I'm going to kill her and dragged her into the center of town and killed her. And Tracy did something completely that beautiful that I, wholly and completely respect, because no, a player should never do that. There's no way they could be so stupid, but they were. And so there was an opportunity to teach a lesson. And Tracy describes in great detail as all of the townspeople pour out of every single door and building, stone the players to death, and he closes the book, picks up his dice, and leaves the table. Boom. Yeah. Apparently, people can be that stupid, but sometimes stupidity is an opportunity for lessons and growth, and that is a very valuable lesson to me. Mr. Krebs, what's something that's caught you by surprise? You know,
3: inspired by your stories, I realized that there are two major categories that seem to be the most entertaining, most stupid, that can't possibly be, and most epic, that can't possibly be, um... In the case of stupid, allow me to let us uh, some people take offense of that word. Allow me to say foolish uh, in the area of foolishness. Back when I was a freshman in high school, I say that for context. I was very consistently GMing uh, rifts games. Gosh, I don't know if you knew this or not, but I'm a huge fan of the Palladium RPG system. Dan, did you know wow. that?
2: Hmm. I know,
3: right?
1: Uh, I think you remember there was one time you told me that on a podcast sometime ago.
3: Oh, that can't be real. Anyway, yeah. so. Uh, I GM'd uh, for, for me and my friends, I GM'd all the time. We had like a homebrew version of D&D that got us into RPGs. And then I picked up the official core book for Palladium's Rifts. And that became our mainstay. And it was one of those things where we rarely played the same character in the same campaign for any length of time. We almost always rolled up new characters, started a new game. And so you can imagine just how exhausting that gets. But at the time I had a friend living with me because he was in indigent circumstances. And so he was living with me and he wanted to play some rifts. He was fairly new to the whole RPG thing, but I did my best to coach him along. Again, we are freshmen in high school. He played a soldier for a, a human movement known as the coalition. The coalition is uh, from, the, from the perspective of new entities on planet earth such as demons and dragons and magic users and aliens, all of these sentient creatures have come to the planet Earth via these gateways called rifts. The coalition is a human centric, purist, fascist group. And so they hate all things magic, all things demonic, all things extraterrestrial, as it were. He plays a soldier. He's fighting this extremely young, very small, for its species dragon but dragons are not to be messed with they are extremely strong extremely powerful they are pretty high up the food chain as it were he's a single soldier fighting this this for lack of a better term infant dragon but don't think of it as an infant think of it as like a seven foot tall creature who knows what it's doing
2: he keep fights- in mind a baby <laughs> dragon is a komodo dragon <laughs> yeah right? with wings and fire breathing which is therefore worse
3: Yes. Born with intelligence, uh, you know, as quickly as a horse gets up and walks, a dragon gets up and philosophizes, right? So he's fighting an incredibly intelligent, incredibly powerful, incredibly strong creature. And he is, as, as we typically termed, a squishy. He is a squishy. If he's not wearing his armor, he pops like a grape fighting these things. But he's wearing his armor and he's fighting this thing. And I allow the dice... Uh, calls the adjudication to favor him. It's one of his first games. Eventually, through the use of his weapons and high technology, he gets this baby dragon on the ground after a lengthy fight. They're both damaged. At this point, he could take advantage and maybe arrest or detain or in some way incapacitate uh, this dragon and thus win the fight for good. Uh, He walks up and he says, oh, do I still have a plasma grenade left? Yes, you do. I take it off my belt, pull the pin, and I shove it down the dragon's throat. Now, maybe you guys have seen this meme online. There's a picture of a nuclear uh, explosion, like the cloud, the mushroom cloud. And it says, when the GM asks, are you sure? Stop and think, right? Uh, <laughs> and I, I looked at him and I said, are you sure? And he said, yeah. And I go, okay, now hang on. Here's a picture of a dragon. Notice the elongated snout. You have to shove your arm down this snout through the jaws and the teeth to get to that throat that you're trying to place this grenade in. And he goes, yeah. And I go, it's also what's called a mega damage creature. It is not squishy, you are. Yeah, but my grenades mega damage, he says. And I go, but your arm will be in its mouth. And he go, and it's and it might not be dead. And he goes, it's okay. I'm wearing armor. Oh. <laughs> and having given him myriad opportunities to not do this, I say, roll a twenty. It's not a critical, but it is successful. And sure enough, he gets that grenade in the dragon's throat, along with everything just above the elbow because of course the dragon's not dead and bites his arm off. I rolled the dice. It was excessive amounts of damage. Also the dragon is a fire breathing dragon. It breathes mega damage plasma fire essentially. So he just nice. he just put a cherry bomb inside a nuclear reactor is what he did. Um, Yeah. yeah. So he lost that character lost his arm and I want you to know he never played that character again. Uh, That was that was along the lines of like
2: this is too foolish, right? in along the lines though oh go uh, i'm sorry elton your comment so so what, so what you're saying is now i need to build a character for one of your games called one-armed jim
3: yes absolutely yes. absolutely and he should have two replacement cybernetic arms for compensation
2: mm-hmm. and some like plasma burns
3: yes oh oh Perfect. and to be clear when i say two cybernetic arms i mean on one side of his body he has three arms now one-armed jack has three arms
1: so but wait a minute. Does he have a failsafe that we just push buttons and the arm falls off?
3: Uh, only if you come from the right tribe. Yes. Yeah, Wakandan. Thanks, I have con- a, w- I'd w-
1: have to play a female character, which I don't play, so never mind. That's out.
3: Wakandan Control Alt Delete. Am I right? Yeah. All right. So, uh, on the line of of things that were epic, one day I'm playing Rifts with my sister, and. Uh, She is playing uh, this pilot, this soldier of of sorts, not part of the coalition, part of uh, the the glitter core, which sounds extremely brony, I get it, but if you know riffs, you know about glitter boys and glitter armor, like glitter boy armor and how cool it is, and she is a glitter girl, which is very rare and she's awesome, she ends up in a fight with this other guy and Uh, Of course, the other guy's an NPC, so I am playing the other guy, and we're rolling dice, and the dice are just not favoring her. On top of that, I'm just a better RPG fighter than she is because I've done this for so freaking long, and she's kind of played along with me, but just off and on over the years. And so I'm trying to be fair. I'm trying to help her out. I'm trying to give her openings, but I also want to make sure that the game still has jeopardy and that I'm not just handing her the win. And it ends up that I'm not handing her the win. In fact, I start rolling really high and. it's becoming extremely dire for her. Eventually she gets to a point where he's got her on her knees. Her helmet is off and he has a laser pistol, a mega damage weapon, pointed point blank at her head. This is, there's almost no escaping this, right? And then she goes, and she was frustrated. And you know, you've got, like you were saying, Elton, you got to make sure the player's having fun. But at this point, I had I kind of painted us into a corner. Like, what are we going to do? Uh, and she goes, well, now I can't do anything. I said, well, if you roll a 20 and you get a natural 20, you could get out of this. And she goes, I guess I better try. And so she picks up her D20 and I kid you not, she rolls a natural 20 and she gets out of that situation. She rolls a subsequent natural 20 to disarm the guy. And then she rolls a natural 20 to kill him. And it was just bang, 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 it was over. And like Amazing. she and I, she we went, we instantly went from frustrated and 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 like what's the word dismayed to just like jumping out of our seat and like hooting and hollering, whoa, oh my gosh. <laughs> we were like
2: losing our minds. That that actually reminds me, and I'll insert one here and then pass it over to Dan, but um, uh, there was an episode, there, there, sorry, episode, there was a campaign that I played. It's one of the few times that I've been a player um, where I was playing with a whole bunch of like old school D&D players. Um, one of the guys in particular, I kid you not, had to have been a literal savant because he could tell you every page, what was on it, how it was phrased, the pictures that were there, what book it was in, what edition, whether it was in any other edition. And if the changes between editions were different, he could tell you which was the best version to take. And he says, I want to run a campaign, but I don't want it to be dumb. So we're going to start everybody at level eight gestalted. You can choose anything from 3.0, 3.5 or Pathfinder. And if you have feats that are the same name, you can use them as prerequisites for feats from other editions. Oh my gosh. And it's an evil campaign. So come ready to party. <laughs> I'm like, sweet, here we go. Right. It's going to be a great time. I build this half ogre, a who like has a bone buried out back so that anytime I'm going to be killed, it just starts regenerating. I'm taking monkey grip and all these oversized weapons and I'm literally shooting tree trunks that deal like 10 D8 of da- or 10 D6 of damage at a time. Jeez. It was just, I cannot put into words how much fun this was.
3: Ended up being but, three hours of disarming traps.
2: <laughs> no, not quite. <laughs> um, this, this gentleman, he's, he's been around the block a few times and uh, he really wanted to give us like some epic level monsters to fight. He, he really doesn't get to play the game at his level very often. And so he really wanted to do something special. We find ourselves working our way through the fortress of this lich. And we end up pissing him off. Just, you know, like you do. And and he releases a dracolich on us. And we happen to be crossing a bridge trying to escape. And the dracolich comes and breaks through the top. Fly, you fools. And uh, at this point, we're like, okay, we're in, whatever. Um, But he had turned me on to a particular magical item, which has become one of my favorite magical items of all time. It's a nifty little thing called an immovable rod. It's a <laughs> rod that is two feet long with a button in the middle, and if you own it, you can press the button, and it will freeze itself in space. Uh, Pretty you... much a Thor's hammer. It's, it's absolutely amazing, because it will not move if it is inside of something uh, foreshadowing, that thing cannot escape from it. It cannot jump between dimensions. It's just stuck there. So this Dracolich has come and rammed its head onto this bridge. Our guys are going in, trying to fight it. It's clear that I'm not able to do very much damage, but I've got a high level of dexterity. And I say, (laughs) wait, wait, wait. So describe this thing to me. He's like, yeah, it's like a dragon but kind of skeletal in nature. You can see kind of gaps in its flesh and, you know, I'm like, okay, so, but it has like the head shape, like a skull with like nasal cavities and things. He's like, yeah, like awesome. I'm gonna run up, I'm gonna jam an immovable rod into each nostril and I'm gonna press the button and jump away. Roll for it. Yeah, boom, boom, two rods in get the guy locked in place. We're able to run down the thing's spine, go find its phylactery and take control of this epic level Lich, which um, for any of you who have not worked with liches before, liches all have what's called a phylactery. It's usually a, a gemstone of some type or things like that, though it can sometimes be a mundane object, but it houses what is in essence, everything that is left of their soul. And if you control it, you control them. Oh. Which meant that we now had effectively a level twenty Drake Lich as a familiar, it was amazing. I
1: super believe in you, Tad Cooper.
2: That it is awesome.
3: Extra points for the, the reference. Thing.
1: No, that's awesome. You know, it's things like that that make it worth you know, playing this game worthwhile. Uh any tabletop because you come away with moments like that. Um, you know, I have had several of those. One of my favorite is a Uh, I got to play a a charity game uh, that a a good friend of mine did uh, and you know, it was a pirate themed adventure. And I'm like, all right, this is going to be awesome. However, uh, you know, the buddy of mine that was running it knew I could play. And so his caveat was he was going to create the character and I just had to go with the character he gave me, you know, so I'm sitting down, he's, You know, everyone else is getting their characters. And I'm thinking, oh, oh, man, these are awesome. There's this Captain Pirate. You know, everyone has these really cool characters. And then he gets to me and he's like, you're an old sea dog. You're about 62 years old and your name is Cod. You're half blind, can't hear really well. But, man, you've been in every scrape and whatever. And your buddy is Lem. And he's just as old as you, but he can't hear Worth a damn. And, but man, you guys have been in every type of fight possible. And you don't know any other life than the pirate life. And I'm like, all right. And he's, and like, any other features? Like, and you got a really long beard. You know, that's, (sighs) that's your pride is your beard. I'm like, okay. I'm like, how long? He's like, well, it's long enough you could wrap it around your head and use it for a hat. I'm like, okay, I got this. So we get to a point um where every we get to this we do something and everyone is granted a boon where they can ask for something to either become magical or to get a magic item and everyone's asking for all these crazy things like stuff you'd normally expect you know magical armor magical sword uh you know magical boots of speed and stuff like that and it gets to me and i'm really playing this old dog he's like I want my beard to be imbued imbued with magic so it is indestructible, can never be damaged by fire, acid, or anything. Like, my beard cannot be damaged. It can't even be cut. And everyone's looking at me like, what? I'm like,
0: that's
1: right. (laughs) My beard. Um, So we, We kept playing and everyone's just like what what's the crap up with this magic beard cuz you know i i brushed it i would braid it whatever so we get to this point where in the flying ship and these harpies are coming after us they're flying up at us and i'm like so i can jump over the side of the uh, of the uh, of the boat and he's like yeah and i'm like and my beard is magical so if if it will stretch. He's like, well, to a point, but you're going to eventually stop. I'm like, all right. I grab my trusty battle axe and I run to the edge and I leap off and I throw my beard. And say, let him grab my beard. And then I <laughs> spin around battling, bashing all these harpies. And everyone is just staring at me in awe because I have turned myself into a weapon because <laughs> my beard will not, can't be destroyed. It won't break my skin, nothing. And I'm just <laughs> flying around. And Lem is holding on for dear life. Um, yeah, It's amazing. one of those moments like, no, there's no way this could be happening, but it happened.
3: That is I, amazing.
1: Yes. Because what else can you do with a 62-year-old sea dog but get a magical beard and become this weapon of a thing? And then, you know, the whole story wrapped up that we did this thing for a fairy queen and she made us all super young, which he was going to, the next adventure he's going to do is kind of a Neverland theme, but I still had my giant beard.
3: Oh, that's amazing.
1: Yes, yeah, So I, I'm a four-year-old now. That character is a four-year-old now with a giant beard. Indestructible body armor. Yep. It's indestructible. Absolutely so love it. We'll see. So that there was that one. Uh, the other really epic thing that was just like, whatever. Um, I play, I ran a game, uh, the Firefly RPG. Uh That oh, Margaret nice. Weiss Productions did. Um which was really cool. I like the mechanics where, um, you know, in most games you roll one, it's like a failure, man, it, it, you're, you're hosed. But in this, the Cortex system they have, when you roll one, it just creates another complication in the story. You could still succeed. It just adds another complication to make the story a little bit harder. Um, I had a bunch of, again, it was kind of a, a setting where it was for charity and stuff like that. So we had some really cool people there. I had a couple of fellow authors playing the game, Um, And one of those guys was playing Jane. Everyone was playing a unique character, but because he he was playing Jane. um, But
3: Jane's a girl's name.
1: uh, Not that Jane.
3: No,
1: No, I set you up, bro. That's a
3: firefly quote. Jane's a girl's name. Well, Jane ain't a girl. Yeah, Jane
1: from Canton. Um, (laughs) So anyways, we get into this bar. You know, and of course, Jane orders a drink. Then he hits up the most attractive woman in there. And the third most attractive woman in and there. And then picks her up. Then, of course, as he, he he rolls that to see if he picks her up, because he's like, Hey, let's go get a room. You know, he rolled a one. Um, <laughs> so he goes up into the room and the wife's husband comes in looking for his wife. Very willow. Um, needless to say, he he gets up there, he he busts into the, the room. And next thing you know, like he rolled like all perfect, the highest scores possible. He kicks the guy out the door. The guy goes flying over the railing, slams onto the table and the floor below, completely unconscious. And, you know, this guy that's playing Jane walks out in all of his glory, not wearing (laughs) a single item of clothing, goes, That's right. But the cool part about this, is this guy is buddy with Adam Baldwin, and so in, in that moment he texts him and says, "Guess what I'm doing?" And it tells him the story. And this is what Adam Baldwin says: "Damn right! <laughs> oh my god! How epic could this be?" For those who um, do not
3: know, Adam Baldwin played Jane in Firefly.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Um, so really, really, and that was like, no, no, this, no, that can't can't really be happening, but it did. Um, and that was, that was a cool moment because I mean, it kind of a meta moment too. You have a guy playing Jane and then Texas, the guy that really played Jane. And then he says, yep, that would be me. (laughs) That was um,
2: absolutely love it.
1: But, uh, as far as like, wow, that was a really stupid move. Uh, the very first time I ever played D and D, uh, I only played one session before becoming a GM. Uh, because, you know, I was rolling 20s, you know, and the rules say, hey, you roll 20, it's a critical hit, and you do massive damage. Uh, Yes, I was a wizard. I was fighting with a dagger. I still should have hit, but I was told, nope, that was a miss. You You know, and the rules also say if you roll a one, it's a critical miss, and yet the DM was rolling, and he rolled several ones, and yet I still got hit, and I'm just like, wait a minute... These, these rules aren't working the same way as the rule book does and yeah it, it that really bugged me uh you know if you're gonna play play honest you know be sincere if your your player rolls a critical hit they hit you know even if it screws up your story make it work uh you know if you fumble you fumble uh, still make it work. Uh, that really didn't set well with me the next day after that game, I went and bought every book. I bought the dungeon master guide, the monster manual, uh, the player's handbook. And I read through everything and then ran a game a week later, just because it was like, what the heck is going on here? Uh, it was, you know, it's kind of like that trap after trap, after trap, you know, I was rolling really well and yet I couldn't hit anything. And yet he was rolling crummy and he was hitting me all the time. And that was just like, are you kidding me? That's no, no, we can't do that. Um, and then I've never stopped DMing. So, you know,
2: I've been thinking, and this is a little bit of a side tangent, but I've been thinking about running a GM only game hmm. in which I prepare uh, just four generic characters. But the rule is anytime that you roll a critical success or failure, everybody levels up, and you become the GM. Ooh. You hand the GM your character sheet, so that everybody's kind of building on their own on to whatever the previous person did, and has to resolve. They get to as the new GM resolve whatever the critical was. Exactly. So it's kind of like a round robin, you
1: know, uh, like a round robin story where you go say so much, and then you hand and it off. to the, the next torch. Page.
2: Yep. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking that might be fun for a future episode, but I'll put that That's to the side to for now. Fun, I love that. Potentially dangerous. Uh <laughs> well, the D is for yep, danger. The D is for danger. I
1: know. I know. Uh, you know, my name starts with a D. Uh <laughs> and a lot of people don't like uh, you talk to Scott and he says I'm I am the the cruelest devious DM in the on the planet. Um can't spell danger without Dan. Yeah, yeah. Fair I, enough. You can't, I, and this is kind of a philosophy I've always had. When you're playing a game, there has to be a level of danger and mm-hmm. uh, a level of, um, you know, if you're sitting in town, things are happening. You mm-hmm. know, it, the world just doesn't stop. Um, you know, and I try to instill that in everything I do. I know there are times when I'm playing and, you know, people are just talking and going on. I will just quietly get out a D10 and put it at 10. Mm-hmm. and as they're continuing i just slowly move it to the next number and the next number um i did this with my 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 boys you know they had all their friends come over and then one of the kids says whoa stop and they're like what and they're Like that dice he's slowly been turning it down it started at 10 and now it's at three what the crap does that mean and i just sat there and smiled <laughs> and then all of them started like getting this sense of urgency like <laughs> okay, what does this mean now? Because they've been wasting my time and wasting their time. Um, yeah. And sometimes you, know, you need that. You need that element of danger uh, to kind of galvanize things. Uh, you know, we saw that in Avengers. I mean, Nick Fury used the death of Coulson. Uh, well, not really. You know, the, the, the bloody cards and stuff like that. So, uh,
2: yeah. Yeah. You know, the biggest danger to a GM? Mm-hmm. The players. Yes. 100%. But but here's the thing is that 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 leads to some really fun moments like we've been talking about. Um, In fact, have I told you guys about the uh, quotient of infinite human stupidity? No, please tell us about the quotient of infinite human stupidity. I think you have, but I don't think on air. Yeah, so the quotient of infinite stupidity says that no matter how dumb something is, someone else can figure out something dumber. Yep. Yeah and and the way that you apply that is you say okay I have this master plan I've put together this thing what's the dumbest thing that somebody could do in this scenario A 100 people will think of something dumber 10 will try it one will succeed uh, and one will find one find something that's even more dumb yes. so you need to find out what that person would do and reapply the formula so and you keep going until you run in a circle and then you know you've hit that bottom rock.
1: so i have a i have a story that works with that uh, again i'm, I'm going to use my my boys and, and their friends as an example because it I, I, there's two different times and this works perfectly uh the first time was with a different set of friends uh, you know their friend was he was fairly new i think it was his first time playing and, and i described the scenario it's at night they can hear goblins speaking up ahead, and I'm like, Okay, what do you do? And my boys are like, Okay, we're gonna quietly sneak up. And it, their other friends are like, Yeah, let's do that. And then their one friend says, I go charging forward, screaming, Die! Like, All right, Leroy like, yeah. Jenkins. And I'm like, <laughs> through the clearing, there's a clearing of 12 goblins and an ogre. The ogre hears you and he picks up his spear and he throws it at you. And I roll and I roll a natural 20. And he's like, I dodge it. I'm like, sure, I will allow you to dodge it. You have to make a, a, a safe throw. And he rolls and he rolls a one. Oh, and I'm like, Sweet. and I'm like, the spear goes flying across. It hits you square in the chest, impels you in the tree, 30 feet behind you. You're dead. Uh, and everyone just kind of goes can we skip the goblins
2: please begin filling out another character sheet yes your story continues on side b yes
1: the <laughs> second one so this is another adventure they go into a, a town different group of guys and they they see a skeletal warrior upon a nightmare and i'm thinking okay they'll avoid this and they look at e- each other and like we're gonna hide I'm like, "Okay, that's a smart idea." So they hide in a the house. Th- these are like stone buildings with a thatch roof. And I'm like, "Okay, what are you going to do next?" I'm like, "Well, we're going to take all the furniture and we're going to pile it up against the door." And one of the guys is like, "Hey, I have a hammer and nails." I'm like, "Okay." And like, "We're going to we're going to hammer the windows and the door shut so he can't get in." I'm like, "Okay, cool." Like, "I'll go with this." I'm like, well we're gonna leave a crack so we can see him I'm like okay, all right. I'm like, so far okay you've just like imprisoned yourself so if this thing decides to come after you or anything you're dead um, but I'm not saying anything And then one of the guys goes, is there a fire in here? I'm like yeah, someone's been living here. I'm sure that there's oh, no. there's a fire going on and he's like and so I roll I'm like, yeah there's a fire still going he's like, I'm gonna light my arrow on fire. And I'm going to shoot the Skeletal Warrior. I'm like, are you sure about that? like, yeah, I'm going to pull it back and I'm going to fire it. I'm like, all right, roll. He rolls a one. <laughs> Which is perfect because they've boarded everything up. There's no way he can shoot this thing anyways. So it bounces off the stone, hits the thatch roof. The roof catches on fire. They all burn to death.
2: <laughs> checks out. <laughs> It's, it's fire is one of those shorthand tools yeah. that I've learned. If I put it in a room, the players will find a way to use it for something. That's and I run a 20% chance that it will go wrong. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's so one of those it, things. You should be afraid if you see fire in a room, if, if you're in one of my dungeons. And in this
1: case, I, I did something very similar to Tracy. I just closed the book and I said, well, it was fun playing with you guys today. Um, you know, we can play next week.
3: Let's never and do this land. again.
1: And they're like, "Are we done? We only played the, for like..." Four well minutes.
3: done, actually.
1: And it's like, uh, yeah. Uh, um, uh, but no, I mean, there are instances uh, of coolness. You know, there's another point when I was playing uh, in a friend's game, and we found this giant obsidian table. And I'm like, "Well, how much does it weigh?" He's like, "Well, two thousand pounds." I'm like, "Really?" He's like, yeah. I'm like, and my bag of holding holds 3,000 pounds? He's like, yeah. I'm like, I put the whole table in my bag of holding. I was like, okay. um,
3: You Santa Claused an obsidian table.
1: Yeah. Later in the game, we get to this room (laughs) where this horde of skeletons are coming after us. And this this table is eight feet wide and 20... I think it was 28 feet long or 30 feet long. I'm like, like, I empty, I pull the obsidian table out and put it in front of us as a barrier. And he's like, okay. I'm like, and now we just pick the skeletons off one at a time because they can't get over this thing. And then that's what we did. We just smashed the skeletons. (laughs) And I used that obsidian table so many times as this, portable barrier that i would just drop in front of us it was awesome and it was and it was magic resistant too so that was even better
2: (laughs) so i have a uh i have a uh an encounter that i will use anytime that i'm playing with a brand new group um especially if it's a large group because it helps me to see player personality types very easily um, and I and even if I told you all the ins and outs of this, it doesn't change a thing because inevitably there will be some player at the table who falls victim to this, just like fire, just like putting something that you've described just a little too well in a room, and the players immediately gravitate, and that has to be the solution to something somewhere. It's a very simple thing. You come into this uh, this you know over this snowy rise. And out before you, you see the road stretching on through the snow, there's a snowman, and then there's a river. And as you approach the river, you see some dark spots in the ice. That's all it is, dark spots in the ice. I always make sure that some player in the group can see them. I always make sure that they know what's going on. And whatever MacGuffin objective is just on the opposite side of the river. So all you gotta do is get across. And I kid you not, every single time I have run this encounter, some player has gone up and said, I'm going to jump on one of the dark spots.
0: <laughs>
2: I, I don't do a single thing. It, if, you, if, if your entire group just sat there for a second and were like, we're going to work our way around the dark spots, you'd be entirely fine. It's, it's just holes in the ice, right? but then the rest of the encounter becomes getting the stupid player out from the rushing river. <laughs> underneath, um, And it, it's beautiful because it lets me see first off who the impulsive players are. Second, mm-hmm. who the problem solvers are. And third, the people who are going to try to reason with the rest of the group to get them to not do the stupid thing, but inevitably there will always be one. There always will. And that's entirely fine. Do not <laughs> confuse our stories of watching people fail to be exasperated tales that drive us away from these things that we love
1: Well, no i mean even impetuous players uh players that do something stupid it serves a purpose i mean in yeah. this case you know the guy falls through and now how do you save them how do you they- rescue them uh what do you do even someone that bumbles upon a trap it's okay now, what do you do? It really, it, it's interesting to see how players, every group of players is different. Even if you have the same people playing a different character, they react differently. It's really cool to see uh, how someone immerses themselves as that character. They're, they're, they're trying to take that on. I mean, you'll see some traits of the actual player come through, but more often than not, you'll you always see something different. Uh, even if you run the same adventure with another group. It's yeah. not going to be the same ever because everyone reacts differently. It's really fun to see that dynamic. Um and and there are always going to be those moments of really you're going to do that. <laughs> and you you kind of you even as myself as a GM or a DM whatever you want to put it, I will go, "Really? That's what you want to do." <laughs> you know, and that should be enough of a cue to maybe I should second guess what, what I'm doing here. But no, more often than not, the answer is, yes, that's what I wanna do. And you're like, all right, and then you roll the dice. Um, <clears throat> but even then, sometimes they the players still surprise you. Even when things are going completely against them, there will be a magic moment where the dice and fate will roll with them And they'll get out of a fight that you think that they are going to die in or that they will come up with some amazing expectation of, yeah, I'm going to stick two immovable rods down this thing's nostrils. And we're going to get our butts out of here. It's, it's amazing how easy this game can turn around even in a moment, because it's like, all right, we're dead. We're going to become gravy. And yet we don't, we survive and we thrive. And, you know, it, yeah. it's just the thing I enjoy about the game. And then you have an epic story to
2: tell. And to, be, and to be perfectly frank, you know, I've taught dozens of people at this point, how to GM, how to storytell. And one of the biggest misconceptions that I hear all the time is I'm not good at improv. I'm not good at making things up <laughs> on the spot. I'm like, no, first off, you're probably a lot better than you think. But second off, even though the best GMs can certainly be excellent at improvisation. You don't have to be excellent at improvisation to be a good GM. Correct. You're willing to show up to the table and have fun with your players. You can allow through just being willing to let things happen, your players to create unknown conflict in the story and then dig themselves out of it and create a far more epic tale. And I even
1: have, I I have a, a rebuttal to anyone that ever says that. And the rebuttal is, so you scripted every time you played as a child? Yeah. I mean, to be honest, as children, everything was improv. I mean, every mm-hmm. time you sat down with your toys, you improved everything that was happening. You know, Optimus Prime is battling Megatron. And, I mean, it was all improv. I mean, really, we were artists and, you know, wizards when it came... To- To improv as kids. That's
3: right.
1: But we let go of that, that talent. And I think when we play these type of games, we rekindle that portion of our childhood uh, and bring that portion of us back because really that's, that's all life was. Uh, when we were kids, it was one giant improv session. I mean, how many times as a kid, well, I mean, I had countless times I was out there with a stick pretending it was a lightsaber.
3: Oh, or absolutely.
1: You know, um and we came up with the craziest games and scenarios uh so when i when someone says i'm not good at improv i just say i think you're out of practice at being at improv because you used to do this a lot as a kid um so you just need to get in touch with that portion anyways we have talked your ear off we have told you our stories i'm sure you have many many stories Honestly, I think our question for this week, I'm going to throw it out. I know you guys normally do, but our question is what is your epic story? Oh, yeah. What is your story of, wow, really? You're going to do that? Or, wow, I really did that and I can't believe it. Um, (laughs) And you pick one of those because I think our listeners out there have those stories. And if you haven't joined our Discord, uh, now's the time to do that. You know, jump on. It's tagged onto every episode listing. Uh, You can go to our site. And jump on or just look up dungeon crawlers and we want to hear those stories from you and you know if we get several good ones we'll definitely talk about them next week uh because i know we're going to get some good ones you guys everyone yes. has an epic story out there yeah. um i mean even r.a salvatore and tracy hickman have them uh i know several other authors we've had come on have those so we want to hear your story because they're just as
2: epic as those guys and ours so oh, yeah. with that said we'll catch you next time and dungeon crawlers even if your die is only ones tell your story whatever may come
3: and whether it's an epic fail or an epic crit be epic don't suck remember
0: the force will be with you always